0: If you get your Bibles and and open it up to Matthew chapter 11, it's Matthew chapter 11. Verse one, it says, and it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Clearly what we see is after Jesus selected his 12 and commanded them, he went out and did the same thing he told them to do. Jesus was not like the Pharisees and Sadducees. They were found saying one thing and doing another. In verse 2 it says, Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, He sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? John had disciples following him as well as Jesus. It was not for John to know that another was coming, but he sent his disciples to Jesus for their satisfaction, so they would see that Jesus was the true and promised Messiah. John was assured of it by a sign from heaven at Jesus' baptism. When the windows of heaven opened and it was spoken, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus answered and said unto them, go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Christ was all this in a literal and spiritual sense. He was an eye of understanding to the ignorant, a foot of power to the weak. He opened ears in deaf hearts to receive the word of life, and the poor are evangelized. The rich hear the gospel, but the poor receives and feels the powerful impression of it. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? All this time, the multitude were still following Jesus. In many cases today, as soon as a person gets what they want, they turn and walk with Christ no more. But in verse 8, it says, But what would ye out to for to see, a man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. John was a preacher of the gospel, a preacher of righteousness. There was nothing about John that was infeminate, Or a fashion, John was sober and lived a humble life. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet, yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. Jesus gave John the honor and respect that he deserved, but at the same time, John had to decrease as Christ increased. For this is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger. Behold thy face before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. Malachi talks about the coming of John in Malachi 3 and 1. He said, behold, I will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. John was the forerunner for Jesus and the kingdom of God. He preached in the wilderness. Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The scripture says that John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leather girded about his loin. And his meat was locusts and wild honey. That does not sound like a person that is flashy or eating caviar and lobster. Whether you are from North America, South America, the Middle East or the Far East. Locusts in every country is the same thing. Grasshoppers. Verse 11 says, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of a woman. There had not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Again, Jesus highly commended and honored John. John was greater than all the prophets that went before him. He saw more of Christ than all of them, but saw less than them that came after him a minister who brings the life, death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ is greater in the kingdom of heaven. It's not that the doctrine or preaching is greater than John, but our preaching is a faith and the message of resurrection. Also, it says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence and the violent take it by force. When John began to preach, there was a great rush or a crowd pressing to hear John. Since the gospel or kingdom has been preached, there has been a rush to it. They came pressing to obtain the blessing. Multitudes went out to hear him and were about to take the kingdom of heaven by force. An example of the kingdom being taken by force would be found in John 6, 15, where it says, When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. For all the prophets and the law prophesied unto John. And if you will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. Now, the law and the prophets told of the coming of the Messiah, but not as clearly as John or by demonstration, like John did. John was that Elias which Isaiah and Malachi spoke of. So, why was John the Baptist given the name of Elias? Possibly because they both were zealous in the work of God. And they were alike in success of that work. And they were alike persecuted for their work. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. But whereunto shall I like? Like in this generation, it is like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows. I think we call we we all can say that the children of this generation is nothing like when we were growing up. And saying we have piped unto you and ye have not danced. We have mourned unto you and ye have not lamented. There is nothing Christ says that attracts the Pharisees to embrace the gospel. They are like children where nothing would please them. The Pharisees were so critical and unpredictable, God Himself could not please them. The world and the people in it has become so vain and critical, all they care about is themselves and what is for them. They don't believe the gospel because, one, it is not being taught by preachers, two, it is not being lived by those that receive it, and three, it is not being believed by many that hear it. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he had the devil. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, behold, a man gluttonous and a wine bibler, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of her children. Jesus and John each besought the people to prepare for the kingdom of God. But the people spoke of one as too strict and at the other as too lenient and wouldn't be won by neither. To justify themselves in rejecting God's counsel, they defended and maintained that John's conduct was demonical and that of Jesus was criminal. What we say today to justify and reject the counsel of God is you are so heavily minded, you are no earthly good. Or you are so earthly minded that you are no heavenly good. Either way, the world will not accept the counsel of God today. But the lives and works of Jesus and John were both directed by the wisdom of God. And all those who are wise towards God and abide by his word and guidance are the children of wisdom and are justified by that wisdom. Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Mm-hmm. The more God has done to draw men unto himself, the less excusable are they if they continue in iniquity. So Jesus began to reprove, rebuke, and denounce heavy judgment. Here's what he began to say. Woe unto thee, Corinthians. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Corinth, along with Bethsaida and Capernaum, was named in the Christian Gospel of Matthew and Luke as cities where Jesus performed his mission. However, because these towns rejected his message or because They had not changed their ways. Jesus spoke this. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. Meaning the judgment or punishment which will come on on the heathen cities shall be lighter than that which awaits them. And thou Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. This city lying under greater guilt than the rest, Christ names it by itself without the rest. A heavy doom was denounced by saying, thou shalt be brought down to hell, meaning your condition will be as sad as the worst of men. But I say unto you, that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Jesus preached the gospel, which is the good news, but it reject but in rejecting it you also learn the bad news. We have now learned or, or grasp we have not yet learned or grasped yet there are two sides to everything. There are blessings and there are consequences. There is right and there is wrong. There is good and there is evil. Mm-hmm. Depending on what you choose, you will live one or the other. At the time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and has revealed them unto babes. Yes. In spite of those that will not turn or listen, Jesus gives thanks to those who have been given and will by wise and prudent. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, by wise and prudent, Christ means the worldly wise men, particularly the scribes and the Pharisees. From them, God did did hide judgment and the mysteries of the gospel because they had closed their ears and eyes. God did not put darkness into them. But they were left to their own darkness by denying the light, which they had had no desire to see. Verse 26 says, even so, father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. As if Christ had said, father, thy election and choice pleases me as being the choice and good pleasure of thy wisdom. All things are delivered unto me of my father. And no man knoweth the Son, but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. One writer said, no one has knowledge of the Son, but the Father. And no one has knowledge of the Father. And another one said, nor does anyone fully know the Son, except the Father. Or fully know the Father, except the Son. That is why we have been given life eternal, so we may know both the Father and the Son. Mm -hmm. And in the next verse, it's how we can make this happen. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me if you are troubled, if you are weighted down. How many have ever experienced this? Who or what have who or what have are the things people turn to? How did that work? Mankind turns to drugs, drinking, violence, sex, murder, always working to drown out the trouble. In fact, Mankind has turned to about everything you will find in Galatians five nineteen through twenty one, which are called the works of the flesh. Mm. But let me read what it says in verse sixteen and seventeen of Galatians five. Verse sixteen says, This I say then walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you come to Jesus, you will not have to go to the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. In other words, the flesh fights against what the spirit wants or needs. We must remember what it says in Romans 8 and 1. There is therefore now no condemnation To them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And verse five says, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Also in verse six and eight through eight, it says, for to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So when you come to Jesus, you cannot come according to flesh in the flesh or by the flesh because flesh cannot please God. But this is what we need to do. Verse 29 says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest unto your souls. Take the word of God. Take the things that Jesus has spoken, learn of his teaching and what he did in all circumstances. Examine how Jesus dealt with his enemies. Only then and then only can you find the rest your soul's needs. Note, it said, rest unto your souls, not flesh. Flesh will never be satisfied or rested. Flesh rejects everything Jesus teaches. Remember, the flesh fights against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Christ's service is easy to a spiritual mind. When you take the yoke of Jesus, it is easy as a spiritual service, delightful to a spiritual mind. It is easy as assisted service, considering we work not in our own strength, but in God's. It is easy when accustomed, though hard to beginners. It is easy to develop because the further we walk, the sweeter our way. It is easy because it is the most gainful service, having the assurance of an eternal weight of glory as the reward of our obedience. By that, our Lord can say to his followers, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And by that I can say, my time is up and I thank you for yours.